0: Here we are. Hey, if you have a Bible um, and you happen to have it here with you, uh, you can open up to uh, the book of 2 Corinthians. So this is a letter from uh, the Apostle Paul. It's the second of the letters that we have of his to the church in Corinth. And I'm going to read a little bit about that in a second. Um, so last week I spoke to you about uh, God's plan of uh, Restoring his family. Uh, If any of so, all of our sermons are recorded and they're put online on YouTube and also like podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, You can uh, catch up with anything. So if you're like, you're talking about stuff, we're talking about this Beats discipleship framework, and you're like, what's this all about? I I certainly do not have time to cover like eight weeks worth of content with you uh, in an overview, but it's all there online, so you can go and. Catch up and you can binge watch um, so forget Netflix or any of those ones, you can just binge watch me if you uh, if you have an inclination to do so, um, but that covers that, but essentially what we 're wanting to do is be strategic about what God has called us and really all Christians uh, to be and to do as missionaries uh, in the world. And so for us, we don't want to do that haphazardly, but to say, well, Lord, what is the strategy that you would have to keep us focused and attentive to what your heart and your plans and your purposes are for us as your people? So that's what we're about. It's a strategic kind of focus, and I'm going to share a little bit more about that. Uh, If you're not used to the church being strategic, uh, welcome. Uh, this is, uh, we are an apostolic people, which means we're a sent people, but part of that kind of apostolic uh, framework of God, it's the heart of God, it's who God is, it's who Jesus was, uh, is what we understand is uh, kingdom architecture. In the Greek, it's called architecton, uh, or architectron. Tron sounds cool, but I think it's ton. Um, where Where it's this, God has designs, God has frameworks, God has blueprints for how the church is to operate and function and uh, and in every time and season in history, God is absolutely at work. Even as I shared a few weeks ago, God's God's not asleep. Uh, When we look around at all the things that's happening and Uh, all of the the things that are happening in the world even, or maybe more locally for us, and we can get really caught up on what feels like the enemy's plan. Uh, But I just want to assure you, God has a plan. It's a far superior plan, uh, and he is downloading that plan. If we have ears to hear and eyes to see uh, what God is doing, uh, we can come into alignment with that. Uh, I just want to uh, welcome you to the winning team. Uh, not winning against the world, but winning against all principalities and powers that would oppose God. Uh, we are victorious and you're seated with Christ in heavenly places, which means in the place of victory, you're seated there. Amen. Hallelujah. That's where we live from. that's where our attention is to be from, our focus. It's our home, and there we are. Amen. Amen. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter five, starting at verse 17. To verse 21 it says therefore if anyone is in Christ he or she is a new creation the oldest passed away behold the new has come all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses or their sins against them Amen. This is a wonderful little uh, passage of scripture uh, that I encourage you to read and reread because it has so much of uh, the, the calling of every Christian contained within it. If you're ever wondering, I just don't, I just would love to know what my ministry is, what my calling is, what my destiny is. Well, it's written down right here. Your ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. Even as we spoke of, as I spoke of last week, uh, restoring God's family. Hello, how are you going? <gasps> he was happy when I wasn't paying attention to him. Um, God has given everyone this ministry of reconciliation, this, this restoring of the family back to the Father. It's every single Christian's purpose to be part of what God is doing. But we we start here in verse 17. Anyone who is in Christ, they are a new creation. So they are they've been born again, the Bible talks, and this is a lot of spiritual imagery of the your internal world, your personal spirit. So we are made up of body, soul, and spirit. Your personal spirit has become new. You are part already, you are part of the new creation that is to come. You notice we spoke about Creation and then the fall and then the redemption, then ultimately the new creation that is to come. You are already part of that new creation. In your spirit, your personal spirit has, as it's been born again, you've been raised again with Christ and you've become a new creation. Amen. Amen. This is exciting stuff. So it says, The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. So you have a new identity, you have a new purpose, you have a new destiny. It's not the old ways. And this is why even as the Apostle Paul talks about, to put off the old ways, put off the old ways of sin. You're no longer that person anymore. So live in these new ways. And when we get caught living in these old ways, it's because we've taken our attention off who we are now in Christ and we've drawn our attention back to who we once were before him. So we are a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And it says, all this is from God. So it's God's intention to reconcile you. It's God's intention to restore you back into right relationship with him. It's his intention. It's not our idea. We're not the ones who have chased after God. God is the one who has chased after us and continues to pursue his lost and wayward children. It says, through Christ, God reconciled us to himself. So this is the significance of the ministry of Jesus, the cross of Christ, the resurrection of Jesus. Through that process, God has reconciled us to himself, the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. Again, this is significant. God is no longer counting your sins against you. God is not looking at the the significance of the debt of sin that you've built up in your life or any of the sin that you might continue to be engaged in none of that is going to be held against you because it was held against christ jesus took all of the punishment for our sin and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation and these next line verse 19 essentially says this again in christ god was reconciling the world to Himself. Not counting the trespasses, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Who has been entrusted with the message of reconciliation? Us. Just say to yourself, I have been entrusted with the ministry and the message of reconciliation. Wow. That's a big responsibility, isn't it? That's a big responsibility that we carry, but God has entrusted us with that. So if we are not carrying that and stewarding that well, then guess what doesn't happen in the world? Reconciliation doesn't happen. If I entrust someone with a task, I now have released responsibility for the outcome of that task. So if God has entrusted the ministry of reconciliation to you, if you are not taking that responsibility engaging with it and living it out in your life then guess what is not happening which should be happening people aren't being reconciled to god this is huge and again this is why you might find oh Brad why can't we just like just let it happen just let you know just let mission happen just let disciple making happen just let it all just kind of happen organically well the problem is it doesn't happen organically my hope is that it will one day. But I think the responsibilities of life and at the cares and the worries and, and all the things that go on, we just can get busy and we can just get into a rhythm and a flow of just ticking boxes and going through the day doing different things. And if we're not intentional, we're not stewarding the responsibility that God has entrusted to us. And so if God has entrusted something, it means he's trusting that you will take it seriously. And you will shape your life, you will shape your time, you will shape your energy around what God has entrusted you to do. Not haphazardly, not, oh, well, if it happens, it happens. It's like, no, no, be strategic. Be intentional. Otherwise, my assumption is it won't happen. Because something else will get in its way. Something else will take that place of Priority and responsibility. He has entrusted to us the the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. God is making his appeal to the world. He's wanting the message of his desire to reconcile all things, restore all things, invite his children back into family and right relationship with him. God is, God is making his appeal through his people. And we are ambassadors, which means we are representatives of the new creation. We are representatives of a new nation. We are representatives of the heavenly realm to the earthly realm. So this is um, to understand, you're living already in the future spiritually because you're part of the new creation that's to come. And yet you're living, living in this time now as an ambassador for the heavenly realm, as an ambassador for the future new creation that is to come, entering into this world but representing another world, representing another realm. When Jesus was asked by his disciples and different people, and they were talking and asking about the kingdom of God, and almost this desire, when's the kingdom going to come to earth? But his response was, my kingdom's not of this world. So Jesus isn't coming to establish an earthly authority like the current earthly authorities that exist. He's coming to establish a heavenly authority that is across all borders, that is across all nations. It's, a, it's his kingdom coming. It's him being that in that place of king. But we are those ambassadors. We are the ones entrusted with the message of reconciliation. So he says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, if you're not, to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin So he made him sin to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We might become the ones who reflect all of the wonderful, glorious, divine attributes of God which again is why discipleship is such a huge responsibility and part of what we're called to do as as Christians because part of discipleship is being renewed, being transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus and the likeness of Jesus is the fullness of righteousness. Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness. Forget about how you're going to pay your bills if you're not pursuing the kingdom and righteousness. Forget about how you're going to put food on the table if you're not pursuing the kingdom and righteousness. Because God says, I'll, I'll take care of you if you take care of what I'm caring about. I'll take care of your needs if you carry the responsibility that I've entrusted to you. Cool. So this, is not, this is not my idea. This is not because I'm wired a particular way. This is just what the Bible says. And we need to take responsibility for it. Because it's a, it's a heavy responsibility, would you say? Oh, okay, so it's not something that you're doing, God, that I'm just on the sidelines cheering you on. It's like, no, no, God's done a handover. He says, I'm, I've done my part, my work is finished. I'm no longer gonna take responsibility for this because I'm entrusting you to do it. That's huge, huge. And that should make us go, okay, how am I spending my time? Where am I exerting my energy? What am I building with my life? Am I building a, a nice comfy nest egg for my future? Am I building some sort of reputation or pursuing a career or doing all of those things, which again as, as secondary or, or in third place or fourth place, this, it's, that's okay or is a strategy, again, of the Lord. But if the primary thing that I'm doing isn't carrying the responsibility that God has given to me, then things are out of order. So as we then take this responsibility and say, okay, Lord, we need a strategy so that we can be intentional about doing this. And I'm, I want to share with you some of the reasons as to why we do what we do why we have these different things. And we try to keep stuff minimal in terms of events and meetings and all of those sorts of things because we understand that people are a busy end. It's not all about church events. It is about wherever you find yourself, you are an ambassador for Christ. When you're laying in bed asleep at night, you're an ambassador for Christ. Uh, but when you go to work, when you go to the shopping center, when you go to the gym, everywhere that you go, you are representing heaven you are carrying the righteousness of God and that God is forming more and more in you. You're carrying the message and the ministry of reconciliation everywhere that you go. You can't escape it. It's with you everywhere that you go. You could ignore it, but then someone else isn't going to hear about it. So if we look at uh, a person or the people in our lives, if we go to the next slide, that are far from God, Okay, so these are people that, they might be children, they just don't know that they're children. So we'd look at them and, and I, I like the language far from God because it's, it's more of a just a, a relational distance thing. Now God might be really close and he might even be closer in you, but they're currently not aware of their good father. They're not, they haven't responded to the spirit of God to become children of God and come into right relationships. So these, and and you might have lots of people in your life that you just associate with, people at work, people at the shops, strangers that you walk past on the street, people in your neighborhood. And these are people that you have some connection with. You might know their name, okay? But you're not engaged in, in relationship with them. But out of that grouping of people, as they start engaging, they might start engaging with you. So they might begin to engage with a Christian, that's you, if you're a Christian here this morning. If you're not, we'll pray for you, and you can give your life to Jesus at the end. So you've got people, and then they start engaging with you. You start building relationship and friendship with them. And again, this might be someone where uh, you, you, you could go to the same shopping center and get the same checkout person every day, but if, to say it's me, if this is like a 19-year-old single female, that's probably not a mission or relationship that's appropriate for me to pursue. Okay? Now, can I can I be kind and gracious and loving and generous and all of those things and build some connection just by talking and being kind to do? Absolutely. But it's probably not gonna be one where I'm gonna start to engage deeper in, in that kind of relationship if that makes sense okay but if they were maybe a 24 year old male then I'm like okay this could be something where this favor might start to grow this relationship might start to build and so as we they start engaging with Christians you and I then the next step is to they become missional relationships so they become intentional relationships that we now start to go hey you know what there's a connection here with this person there's, there's some sort of favor back and forth. You know, we, we talk, we get into good conversations. Now that becomes a missional relationship, an intentional focused um, person that you would pour into and build relationship with. So I have a number of them in my life, people who today aren't Christians. They're not yet. They don't know that they're children of God just yet. But I'm intentional about engaging and connecting with them. So I will I will spend more time investing into these people. I'll make it more of a priority to to, to talk and to connect and to engage with them. Okay? So there's lots of people in my life that are far from God, but there are some who are far from God, but they're close to me. Alright? Because that's so therefore they're a little bit closer to Jesus. Because I'm an ambassador for Christ. Jesus lives in me. All the fullness of God. Dwelt in Christ, Christ dwells in me. So guess what dwells in me? The spirit of God, the fullness of God. Amen. That's pretty close to Jesus. They're pretty close to God. So they've gone from being far away from God. Now they're a little bit closer to God because they're close to you relationally. Yeah? All right. Then out of those missional relationships, and you might have, there might be two people. There might be 10 people. There could be 50 people if you're a hardcore evangelist missionary person. Okay? Doesn't matter the number. But then within that group of people that you're intentionally building relationship with and connection, you might then have some opportunity to talk about Jesus. They might ask you about, hey, what did you do on the weekend? You share, I went along to a church gathering and they might, oh, tell me more about that. You might spark up in the conversation about maybe spiritual beliefs. You could start to engage. They might just ask you questions. Hey, tell me more about your faith journey. Whatever it is that there's this deeper level of intentionality now where they're desiring to know more about Christ okay so it's going from this relationship where it's probably I'm you're doing most of the pursuing and the connecting you're being intentional and again this is not because people are projects but it's because God has a project and his project is people and you're part of that project okay it's because you love if you don't love people please don't um, reach out to people just, just, just drop it. Get that bit right, okay? Get the loving God and the loving people bit. Sort that out. And then, because then you, your motivation is gonna be pure every time. And I, I know, unfortunately, I've, there, there can be individuals in the church, the global church, that's, that love evangelism. But I'm not sure if they love people to the same degree. So we're not, I'm not wanting you to fall in love with mission, I'm not wanting you to fall in love with outreach, fall in love with evangelism. I want you to fall in love with Jesus and fall in love with people, okay? But it also then takes them intentionally. What does love look like? It looks like intentionally pursuing people. So through these missionary relationships, then people are starting and they're, they're being drawn closer to God. So they're starting to engage more with Christ. And then that creates an opportunity that you could invite them into a DNA group. Okay, but it's probably more of a missional DNA group. So these are people who are like, Yeah, I'm just, I'm really curious. I've always been curious about Christianity and, or maybe about world religions and I've done some study into them, but I've never really looked into Christianity. And you might say, Hey, why don't we catch up? And we'll just do like a Tuesday Arvo. We'll grab a coffee and, uh, and we'll just hang out and, and I'll just can share some stuff that, that I know about, about God. And these again are the tools that we're gonna give you how to share the gospel, how to share the big story of God, how to you know, help them to understand who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, who the Father is, what's the whole kind of intention of God on the earth. But that would be then where you would say, hey, let's intentionally make some time. But there's a sense of agreement from both people as to what you're gonna do. So you're not just like trying to slip it into conversation and, and kind of hoodwink them or do some sort of bait and switch, but it's like, hey, would you like to catch up and we can talk about, we can just talk about all this Jesus stuff. And you might do that for a few weeks and they're like, yeah, you know what? I'm just not interested. Thanks for the overview. I'm out and, that, and that's fine. And they have complete freedom to do that. But they might say, man, I'm just really, I just, I just love everything that you're saying. And this Jesus guy sounds amazing and I'd love to learn more. So it's through that process then of, of building relationship and connecting and being intentional then about sharing the gospel, sharing the good news of the kingdom of God okay, with that individual that they would then start to want to respond to Jesus, okay. So you see as we're progressing then through relationship and closeness and connection to God. So then through that they might decide, you know what, I love this Jesus guy, I want to connect more, I want to follow Jesus in my life, I want to shape my life not around the values that I had but around these these values of God's kingdom, I want to start following him. Well then, it's, there's that invitation to invite them into God's family, to have that expression. So they've maybe had an individual encounter with Jesus. And again, all through this time, this is not just all about sitting down and, and sharing some knowledge and information with them. Okay? The first step of making disciples is immersion. It's baptism. So to baptize means to immerse one thing and another thing. In the same way that you are baptized in air right now, the, that first step of discipleship with someone is to invite them into an encounter with God, okay? So all through this, if you're catching up and you're maybe reading the Bible together or working through the alpha videos or doing something like that, then in within that, there's prayer, there's expectation of encounter, there's waiting on the Lord for, for a witness of the Holy Spirit. And again, if you're like, I don't know any of those things, we will help you and we'll instruct you in those things. But we're wanting people to engage, not just cognitively with their mind, but actually experientially to, to engage with God. It's giving them homework. So whereas we've got discipleship, nurture, and accountability, it might be, hey, why don't you go away and just pray this week that God would reveal himself to you. I've heard many, many, many stories of people who were skeptics of, of Christianity, but they've just gone, you know what? I'm just gonna see maybe God is real, Sometimes it's people, they get to the end of their rope and they're in their bedroom floor in tears and then they cry out to God and God hears and responds and they encounter him in that moment, okay? So again, it's it's encounters all the way through this process. But then to engage with God's family is what a life hub is there to represent. It's to represent a kingdom outpost that expresses what the family of God is like. So again, a life hub's not there just for you to catch up and have good social times and hang out with your friends and do all those sorts of things. Although that's wonderful and that's good, the church is not here to be a social club for people. (laughs) It's just not. This is not a social club. Can you socialize? Absolutely. Can you have fun? Absolutely. Can you enjoy people? Absolutely. You can do all of those things. This is not the intention. The intention of, and for us as a church, a life hub, is to express the family nature of God and his kingdom to the world. So again, if we're just all hanging out with Christians all the time, and there's no one there that doesn't know Jesus, I'm like, who are we expressing this kingdom value to? To people who already know it, already experience, already live it. Okay, that's not the point. So there's a missional dimension to everything that we do as a community. So within that, within a life hub, it becomes a place where we can engage with the family of God. We start to see, oh, this is how people in the kingdom of God relate to one another. This is how they love one another. This is how they serve. All of these kingdom values start to be expressed in that place. And again, it can be simple things. So we want our life hubs to be a place where people who are far from God and on that journey can come into and they can meet other people who are following Jesus and they can have an experience of God's family. Amen? All right. So as they then move and they're engaged in the family of God, then... This makes a little bit more sense that so they've said, I want to follow Jesus. I understand this, this relational dimension of what the family and the kingdom of God is like. So then to come in and engage on a Sunday, this is where people get equipped in kingdom living. They get to experience the, the corporateness of the church, the corporateness of the family of God, the intentionality as to what it is. There's opportunity for encountering the presence of God. There's opportunity to be equipped, but then there's the, the sending out to engage in what God is doing in the world. So that's what our Sunday gatherings are about. Again, not a social time. You're allowed to socialize. You're allowed to like people here. It's okay. We let you, you're allowed to like people. You're, you're allowed to really enjoy people and enjoy spending time with them. But if your whole intention is to come and to take and not to give, then there's something out of whack in your perspective, probably on life in general. I come here to give, and in my giving, I receive. So we are equipped then in kingdom living, and then we move into being trained as a missionary. Okay, So this is then what our peer DNA groups are for. So again, we're labeling these things just for the sake of understanding. You don't have to call it anything. If you're catching up with your neighbor because they're interested in learning about Jesus, you don't have to say, okay, well, let's form a DNA group together and, uh, and we'll do it this time and have this and you know, here's the card and can you sign up and we've got a website and all that sort of stuff. You don't need to, to, to do any of those things, okay? If you wanna call it that, whatever. The D, the N, and the A are what's important. Literally, the DNA within that catch-up is what we're being intentional about. If you do high nurture, there's no discipleship and no accountability, it's going to be lacking. If you do high discipleship, just learning about Jesus, and yet there's no nurture or accountability, it's going to be lacking. Okay, So it's having all of those elements together, but you could call it something or just don't call it something. But to understand there's probably a difference between me sitting down with two people who are maybe currently far from God or just beginning on their journey of following Jesus would be different than to me hanging out with people who are already mature Christians or on that maturity journey. Okay, There's a a difference in how we might relate and the intentionality of what that would be about. A missional DNA group is going to be highly on um, helping people to understand and encounter God. A peer DNA group is, is about raising and supporting and encouraging one another to live as missionaries for God in the world. Okay, So then that next step is we get sent on mission. And it starts again. Now, I understand you're thinking, wow, that looks so nice. There's pretty colors and it's just a nice circular thing, if only but I'm like, this is how it's going to be, guys, or you, you're gonna, I'm going to be very cross with you, okay? Not really, I'm joking. The, the reality is, if you go, the, I think there's another slide, um, that's probably more what it's going to look like and yet significantly messier than any of that, okay? So, again, if you jump jump back to the other one, it's people, you might engage with someone, you might encounter a, a, a stranger on the street you, you spark up a conversation and you and they're like where are you going it's like i'm just grabbing a coffee and then i'm off to our church gathering can i come with you no you've got to um no 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 sorry i just got to establish a missional relationship with you first then after that you can um join a missional dna group art ah, then it's life then it's you you're jumping way ahead get in line get in the order not at all so can they come? Yes, they absolutely can. Am I expecting that people who are far from God are gonna walk through the doors of this gathering time on a Sunday? Absolutely, I hope there is. But if we then just skip that part of the process, if they never engage with family of God, if they just go, oh, cool, I'm just gonna come along every Sunday and they're never invited to engage with the family of God, they're gonna miss that. And they're gonna start to think, oh, the Christian life is all about just what happens here. If they've never been then discipled by someone in a DNA group, all of the foundations of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to have a new identity in Christ, to, to love God and to love others, all of those things are missed. And you might be someone's like, I think I missed some of those foundational things. Because I, I, I talk to a lot of Christians, and even to ask the question, what's the gospel? And mature Christians will stumble. And there's no shame in that, but it is a reality that I think a lot of times within the church, our history hasn't been to intentionally disciple people in the ways of Jesus. The role of the people in the church is to be intentional about inviting their friends along on a Sunday, and someone else will take on that responsibility. But I want to assure you that in the short amount, the half hour, 45 minutes that I have to speak to a group of people is not sufficient enough of a diet for somebody to become, to become a mature disciple in Christ. It's just not. We need intentional one-on-one to you know, smaller connection groups where we are doing that journey together and being discipled in the ways of Jesus. That's what maturing looks like. You might start knowing nothing. And again, even in all this process, you might look at, oh, Brad, now I'm gonna be discipling people. I don't feel like I know anything. You know more than what someone who is far from God knows, okay, first, first step, okay? You do, you do know a lot. You might just be like, how do I actually get that into sensible thoughts? And again, we can equip you, we will equip you in those things, but you do know more than somebody else, okay? And hopefully you know how to pray. You know how to pray for somebody. You know how to love somebody. Okay, So in this process of becoming a missionary, living on mission for Christ, it's probably gonna take some humility on our end. It might take some humility even to get into a peer DNA group to say, it's just gonna expose how little I know about Jesus. That's okay. Don't be ashamed. Vulnerability is a gift. Vulnerability can be your friend. Humility is a really, really good thing. But it's in that place where you can just say and be real and say, yeah, I'm just, I feel like, man, I've just realized I'm lacking. I know all of the things to do to be in the church. I got to rock up on time and I get my coffee and I sing through the songs and I went to stand and I went to sit. I need to smile and shake hands, you know. I know not to swear. Um, you know, all of that. So like we can learn, we can learn the ways of church but we haven't necessarily learned the ways of the kingdom. And there's a huge difference. Because one is an earthly cultural framework that's being created. The other is a supernatural encounter with the reality of God's presence on the earth. And that's what we want people to encounter. So again, things might be in a circle. Someone might, yeah, rock up at your life hub. That might actually be the first port of call for someone. Because you might go, you know what? They're not... We're building really good friendship, but the spiritual stuff, every time I bring up Jesus, the conversation doesn't really go anywhere. But they're really keen to, to be my friend. You might go, okay, then host a life hub gathering at your house, have a meal together with other people, and then invite them along to say, hey, some of my friends from church, uh, we're, we're catching up on Thursday night down at the foreshore, just having fish and chips. Why don't you come along and meet some of these people? And then it might be somebody else within your life hub then that connects with that person or has that conversation. It can be weird sometimes where it's like, you can be that person with the closest relationship and then it's some random other person who ends up having this deep spiritual God encounter conversation with someone. But it's okay, because that's what the community of God is for. So again, even when we look at these you know, DNA groups and different things, you don't have to do it on your own. I encourage you to take someone with you. So it might be you're chatting to your work colleague. They're interested in learning more about Jesus. Say, hey, well, me and another, I've got another uh, man of mine from church and why don't you catch up with us and let's do that. Or you you might feel like, hey, I'm a mature Christian. I could take someone who I'm discipling within the church who's already a Christian, but who is maturing in Christ and the two of us can catch up with this person so then I can train them as to how to make disciples of other people. You can do that, again, it's, it's at least two people in a DNA group. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just you hanging out on your own, which it's just you hanging out on your own. Um, don't claim that one. Um, but it's two, but it could be five. You know, if you're getting too many people, then it's probably not gonna be um, productive. Uh, but it just starts there. But invite people in, do that journey together. But it's important that we're going back to uh, the, the intentional kind of steps on that process so that someone comes in, engages with God, matures in Christ, understands even what these different elements are, but then they're sent back out again to make disciples. And again, you might find someone who goes from missional relationship, meets Jesus, and next week, they're back living as a missionary. This is what the Bible talks about in, in Luke chapter 10 about a person of peace. So this could be someone that you engage with who has a high level of favor amongst their network of people. So again, this could happen where the biggest evangelist that you know is someone who's literally just met Jesus. Then the next week, they've got five people that they're they're bringing along on a Sunday. You're like, well, you're just messing with the process. That's okay. (laughs) It's chaos and mess, because that's literally what might happen. What might happen is next week, Fifty people that don't know Jesus rock up here. Yeah, well, it sounds good, Kev. <laughs> Until you have got to disciple them all. But are you? And so it's it's even a question. You say, okay, Brad, we've we've read Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen to twenty one. Cool, I get it. Are you prepared to make disciples? Are you willing? And do you feel prepared? So if the first thing, I don't know if I'm willing, please can I encourage you to get before the Lord because that's who you'll have to answer to, not me. I don't care, you you go disobey God all you want. It's not going to reflect on me because I've been responsible to tell you what God is requiring of you. But I can't force you to do anything. But if you hear the word of the Lord and you choose to obey it, wise builder. You hear the word of the Lord and you choose to disobey it. That's foolishness in the Bible, according to Jesus. But just go away. But it's okay as well to say, in my heart, the thought of it petrifies me. The thought of it, I'm just like, oh, another thing. It just feels like a burden. Whatever it is, I don't like the idea of it. Take all of that before the Lord and say, Jesus, I don't want to make disciples. Would you change my heart? Jesus, I'm afraid of this whole thing. Would you change my heart? I repent of anything. Ask him, Lord, what is blocking me from sharing the good news of carrying the message and the ministry of reconciliation to the people around me? What's in the way there, Lord? And then repent. And then to say, so I'm, I'm dealing with the willingness. Now do I feel like I'm able? And if you feel like I'm not able, and that might be the barrier, I don't know what to do. Then ask people. Ask, look for their person. I know this person makes disciples. I'm going to ask them, hey, could I be in a DNA group with you so that you can train me how to live as a missionary? Look for those opportunities. We're going to continue to do that with you. But we need to be prepared. I mean, we'll, we might cry out for revival. Oh, Lord, to send revival, God. Would you just supernaturally, providentially, just transform people, let them have dreams of Jesus? They could, have a, they could encounter God in a moment, get born again, and then see a big sign that says Paradox Church, Baudibus, and they wake up, they Google it, they say, I'm gonna be there. That could happen. But my, I think the problem is that we're crying out for something that I'm, I'm not sure we actually really want. Because that's in a whole lot of children that are gonna end up being orphaned by the church because no one's actually willing to take on the responsibility of fathering and mothering and discipling them how many revivals in history have fizzled out to nothing? Because we we rely on the presence of God to do the work that we're supposed to be doing. We rely upon the sovereignty and the providence of God to do the work that we're supposed to be doing. So I think that revival revival is the result, maybe, of God being frustrated with his bride. And saying, you're not going to do it, but I'm not going to see another person perish, so I'm going to do it. And I'm going to take back that responsibility that was entrusted to you. And that's not right. So I don't pray for revival. Because revival means something's dead. And that means the church is dead. And I'd rather the church wake up, I'd rather the church come back to life, and I'd rather the church take on its responsibility that God has already given to it, and they actually go out and start doing it. That's how you see revival. That's real, true revival is when the church is alive, doing what it's already been called and empowered and equipped by the Holy Spirit to do. You might say, Brad, I don't know nothing. I'm gonna wait until we go through another year of training and equipping, then I'll do it. Or you know what? You've got the mind of Christ, the Holy Spirit. Why don't you just go and ask him, what do I do next, Lord? What do I say next, Holy Spirit? How can I engage in this next level of relationship with this person, Holy Spirit? And let him lead you and guide you in that. You have everything that you need. We're gonna give you practical things, but you've got the Holy Spirit. So just go out and live with him and do these things, yeah? I'm not trying to tell you off. I'm just getting fired up because I think sometimes we just live so passively. In the kingdom, we, we have so much power. We have, we have so much authority. And we, and we just waste it. Living, waiting for God to do something that he's already told us to do. All right. So what we want to encourage you to do within the next couple of weeks, at least to start and get into a peer DNA group. Okay, so find some other Christians within the church. They could be Christians outside the church. I I don't really care. Just get together with a group of people that are gonna help you to be accountable to making disciples. Of becoming one yourself, you might say, I'm not intentional about anything in my relationship with Jesus. Awesome, then you're gonna have some people around you that'll help you to do that, okay? And then within that, be writing down and starting to pray for together people that are in your life, that today are far from God, but that you have relationship with, start praying for opportunity, start strategizing together. Hey, how could we support one another? Share with your life hub. Hey, how could we create an opportunity if, you, if, if our life hub is always at a time that 's inaccessible to, to my neighbors and friends or maybe your life hub is all just focused around just you know chatting about Christian things together and it doesn't have any space for non-Christians to come in and be a part of it. Talk about that with your life. Up. Say, hey, I'd love this to be a place where I can bring my non-Christian friends and neighbors to and they can meet the family of God. And then within that, everyone's prepared to, to love and to care and maybe to pray, to have a conversation about Jesus or just talk about the footy, whatever it is, just to build connection and relationship with them. But we're all taking on that responsibility. Yeah? So, within that, that's why we have the Beats framework. So bless, eat, abide, train, live, sent. That's all of the things that help you to have a missional framework and understanding in your life. All right. If you if you're like, I don't even know where to start with getting together, talk to your life hub leader. If you're not in a life hub, get into a life hub. Go to the info desk, say, hey, I'd love to be in a DNA group. I'm brand new at this church. I don't really know anyone. Can you help me? We would love to help you. Okay? No excuses. Be brave. Be okay with people saying no. They don't want to be in a disciple group, a DNA group with you. Okay, maybe it's not because they don't like you. They might be in two other ones already. Okay, it's okay. You're not rejected. Be humble. Embrace vulnerability. Amen? Amen. We've got some questions. One question. What do you think the church, why do you think the church shifted from simply praying, ministering to people that are far from God to making them disciples? Most of the work Jesus did was meeting their needs and then they would need to choose their next step thoughts. Why didn't they just shift to... Uh, I don't... Yeah, so Jesus, what Jesus did to minister to people in meeting their needs, that was uh, missional relationships, okay? There was proclaiming, So again, this is something where you're at work you see there's a work colleague, you, you might know their first name and they come in on crutches and you offer to pray for them. They might not even know you're a Christian, they might not even know your name. You could do this at a stranger in the shopping center. You see someone with a, with a, in a wheelchair and you just go, hey, I just, I'm, just, I'm just practicing hearing from God and I believe that God can heal. Can I pray for you? You can do that. So that's, Jesus did that and he ministered to thousands upon thousands of thousands of people, okay? Then he had his disciples, the 12 disciples. So they were the ones, so if the question is a shifting, there was, there was no shifting. There was missional relationships that Jesus had, people that maybe were closer to him. So even those ones where we have their names in the Bible, Zacchaeus would have been maybe more of a, a missional relationship that Jesus had with someone. But then there was the crowds, there was these random people that, got healed by Jesus, there were people that were just far from God, okay? Then he had the 12. Then even within the 12, he had a, the, the closer kind of three within that. And again, you need to be prepared. You might have lots of people that you're discipling that might not all end up following Jesus. Some might fall away from God as Judas did. That's part of it. So most of the work Jesus did was meeting their needs and then they would need to choose their next step thoughts. I think there were, people were invited to follow him People were called to follow him. And again, that was the change between being someone who was just in the world to being someone who became a follower of Jesus. There was an invitation from Jesus. So they always had to choose to respond, but that's what he did with the 12, come and follow me. Now, understanding they had a a context that they lived in where they understood when a rabbi says, come and follow me, that's significant, okay? Because most people didn't get invited into a rabbi-disciple relationship. But this was part of Jewish culture. If you were excelling in, in your kind of Old Testament studies classes, you were demonstrating that, then a rabbi would choose you to, to be one of their disciples, okay? And it was a high honor. If you were a fisherman, a tax collector doing these things, you had, you'd missed that opportunity, okay? That was long gone. You were off, so you would like, say, well, I ain't gonna be a, a, rabbi, a disciple of any rabbi, so I'm just gonna go, do fishing. Rabbi comes along, says, hey, you, drop your nets, come and follow me. You're like, oh, this is like golden ticket, Willy Wonka factory kind of thing. Like, this is like, m- me? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fisherman. <laughs> I'm a tax collector. You're inviting me to come and follow you? That's why it's like, that's a bit weird. Some random dude walks past, come and follow me, and they just drop everything. Like, what's wrong with these people? But they knew in their culture, that's, that's, that's Jesus of Nazareth. That's, he's a rabbi, and he's asking me to follow him, okay? So there had to be a response naturally within the disciple, but there was invitation to do that, okay? So both of those things are, are always at work, that we should be, again, when we talk about the, um, Jesus shares about the scattering of the seeds of the kingdom, okay? So some falls on the, on the path, some falls on the rocky ground, the unfertile soil, some lands on the fertile soil, okay? That is not a lesson in how to identify good soil types, That's a lesson in where we should be scattering seed, which is everywhere. Everywhere in your life, there should be seeds of the kingdom, the culture of heaven being scattered everywhere that you go. Whether it's, again, the complete stranger at the shopping center or your neighbor, work colleague, your best friend who doesn't know Jesus, you're scattering the seeds of the kingdom everywhere that you go. And again, God has that responsibility as to what happens with that seed. Ultimately, the person can choose and respond. No one comes to the Father except through Christ. It's Jesus who draws people to him, but it's through you that the ministry and the message of reconciliation go. God is making his appeal through us. So we now stand as, as representatives of heaven, okay? We're not in the place of Jesus. We're not like a priest and as some sort of you know, barrier between God and heaven, but we are the one that God ministers through. So if, you, if, you, if I totally missed what you're trying to say there, you're welcome to come up and, uh, and ask me more, but I'm hoping that's kind of covered the big basis of, of what we're saying. So scatter seed everywhere, but invite people into discipleship relationships with Jesus, amen? All right, we are, we're getting a long time. We're gonna worship Jesus and respond, okay? The reason that we have a time of worship at the end of our gathering time is to give you time in your heart to respond to the Lord and what he might be saying, okay? I've said a lot of things, but I'm trusting that there may have been one or two things that God agreed with, Okay, and you can do that, wrestle. I'm, I'm being facetious. I hope there's more. Um, but this is the time for you to respond to him. And I want to pray for us, and I want to commission you, if you desire to be commissioned, with this ministry of reconciliation. God's already done it, but this is just a, as a, like a prophetic act of us coming into agreement and saying, Yes, Lord, I will take on that responsibility of the ministry of reconciliation. Is that okay? All right, Brett's okay with it. You Welcome to come forward, respond in any way you feel the Lord leading you to. But just ask Him. Say, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to respond in this time? Holy Spirit, would you just make real to me what you're wanting to speak, Lord? If there's anything that you're wanting to change, wanting to shift in my heart, in my mind, Lord, I yield to you in this time. Thank you, Jesus.
1: You give life. You are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope.
0: Us into greatness, Lord, you're calling us into greater measures of encounter with you, Lord, but also greater measure of living out and expressing encounter into the world. Father, we want to see you meeting people everywhere that we meet people. You know, I just want to pray if you're here this morning, and maybe never responded to Jesus. And even as the Apostle Paul prayed and and, and called out, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I'm not going to call you to come forward or, or respond in any way, but just to agree in your heart and to say, Lord Jesus, I desire to be reconciled with you. I thank you that you paid the price for all my sin and you don't hold my sin against me. You have made a way through the cross and the resurrection that I could be reconciled to you, that I can enter into right relationship with you. And I ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would come and fill me, that you would make me a new creation right in this moment now. I receive you in Jesus' name. And Father, I want to pray for everyone who would desire to carry this ministry of reconciliation, Lord. Because Father, you have entrusted it to us, Lord, but we've got to pick it up, Lord. We've got to carry it, God. We've got to take that responsibility. And so Father, I just commission the people here this morning, those who are watching or listening later, I just commission you with the ministry of reconciliation. That you would receive it, that it would become part of you, that there would be an understanding of how the Lord has trusted you to carry on this great, glorious message of reconciliation, that the Lord is wanting His family back and He's wanting to use you. He has chosen to use you as His ambassador, as His mouthpiece of the message of reconciliation. So Lord, we receive that, God. Lord, would our minds come into agreement with it? Would our hearts come into agreement with it, Lord? Would our lives start to shift, Lord, in in prioritizing, God, this this is my ministry that you've given to me, Lord. I wanna be a wise builder. I wanna put this into my life. Would you show me how? And Lord, every fear, every blockage Lord would be destroyed by the presence of you Holy Spirit that we have everything that we need Lord and there are things that we can learn but God we are not living in lack until we learn we are living in fullness now because we have all of your fullness dwelling in us by the Holy Spirit So we say, Holy Spirit, let your voice be loud. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you are doing in us, Lord, and what you're desiring to do through us, Lord. And Lord, you would start, even as we leave this place today, God, that we'd start seeing opportunities, Lord, to minister reconciliation to people, to minister life, to minister healing, to minister breakthrough, deliverance, transformation, Lord. And Lord, that You would stir up excitement and passion, Lord. This wouldn't be a dread. This wouldn't be a burden, Lord. This would be a, a joy, a delight. Oh Lord, that I'm going to see people transform before my very eyes. I'm going to see people meet You for the first time, Jesus. I'm going to see people set free from the bondage of sin and the bondage of, of demonic terror, Lord. Thank You, Lord, that we are in the seat of authority, God. And all you're wanting is for us to go and exercise that authority. So we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, we give you our yes. With every part that can conjure up a yes in us, we give our yes to you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We bless you. In Jesus' name,
1: amen.